It's the Auburn Observer Podcast, the, I guess, Monday morning edition. By the time you're listening to this, Justin Ferguson here in Auburn, Alabama. Dan Peck of the Dan Peck Multimedia Empire also with us uh, here today. Dan, how we doing? Hello, Justin. I'm doing all right. It's a, uh, yeah, the the uh, weekend recap edition of the uh, of the Observer. Yeah, it's so... Right off the top, no painter on this podcast. For those of you who are missing uh, his uh, sweet tones uh, through your uh, through your ear holes, uh, yeah, painter had just something come up last second. He wasn't able to record when Dan and I were able to record tonight. No, you know, no emergency, no big problems or anything like that. Painter should be back with us uh, later this week. Uh, we're going to probably try to do our next podcast just to go ahead and get this one out for y'all. We're going to try to do our podcast, have it out for you guys on Friday morning. And we are going to talk uh, National Signing Day, early signing period, uh, with our buddy Christian Clemente of Auburn Undercover. Uh, and we'll talk some basketball as well for that one. And Painter should be back on that one, uh, you know, audibly. Um, he is editing and um, doing all this podcast stuff, uh, you know, on the back end, all the pro- the super producer stuff uh, later tonight. So he'll be burning the midnight oil to help us out. He just couldn't be on this podcast when we were recording today. So, uh, shout out to Painter as always, and for those of you who are big Painter Sharpless fans, he will be back later this week. Don't worry. And I might miss the Thursday, uh, the the Clemente episode because I'm going to Clarksville uh, uh, with yes. the, with the Trojans, and I don't know exactly when we'll be back, but I'm not sure. I mean, I guess I could join on a bus, like from from Clarksville, Tennessee, you know, somewhere between Clarksville and Montgomery. Uh, on Thursday, but I might I might need to sit that one out depending yeah, on we'll uh, where. And, and I and I hate I hate to miss Clemente because that's gonna be that's gonna be a really fun episode. But it might might not uh, might not work for my schedule. Right off the top, that uh, that episode that we're planning with Christian that is going to be for subscribers only. So get yourself an Observer subscription if you haven't already. We know we've got quite a few of y'all out there who listen to the free podcast once a week, and we appreciate all of you. As always, but be a good time to jump on uh, the paid podcast because uh, Christian's going to give us a lot of good recruiting uh, stuff uh, as Auburn, you know, comes out of the first day, the big day of early signing period, and then look ahead to the rest of that of that cycle. And I'm sure we'll talk transfer portal in 2025 as well uh, for for Auburn football because they're already underway with with the next class. And the more of you who subscribe, uh, I think the bigger this thing's going to get, you know, here at the Observer. And that doesn't, we joke about pivoting to video, but Justin, I know, like that's, you know, they were a long way away from that. But yeah. I mean, there could be, there could be more audio, you know, if this thing grows, right? Like oh, yeah. there could be, there could be more contributions from, uh, fr- from the talented writers who cover Auburn athletics. So like, you know, don't, don't rule anything out, and uh, and yeah, if you haven't if you haven't signed up yet, like this is a, it's it's a word. I was, you know what, I was paying for this before they hired me. Like this I was is from, true. He's from, not from, making that up. Yeah, from day one. So I'm I'm just telling you, like as a as a former subscriber, uh, I can tell you, like this thing is, uh, it, it's an easy investment. So by the way, real quick, just to do a quick plug off the top, five dollars a month or fifty dollars a year from now to the end of December. Um, that is our deal we're running from now from the holidays if you're looking for a last minute christmas gift for an auburn fan in your life gift subscriptions super easy to set up super easy to buy a lot of y'all have already done them which is really really cool to see if you're an existing observer subscriber 
email me and I'll add some free time to your account just uh, as, as a way of saying thank you for giving the gift of the Observer this holiday season. All right, Dan, it's just the two of us. We're a little two-man game tonight. Um, we'll talk Auburn basketball and then we'll talk some Auburn football in the second half of the show, but let's get it started. Another big, impressive win for Auburn basketball. Auburn 91, USC 75. Um, and honestly, this, this game didn't feel quite as close as the uh, the final score probably indicated uh, in this one. Auburn picking up another big win. Here's a, here's a stat. Auburn has now scored 85 points or more in three straight games for the first time since two years ago, right before they went on the run in SEC play uh, to, to capture the regular season title. Um, this was a fantastic matchup. Lived up to the hype and the billing of the atmosphere and the anticipation uh, you've got um, a, a crowd of Auburn fans. It's the first time in you know almost three weeks, two and a half weeks, a little over two and a half weeks since Auburn had played a true home game. Shout out to all the students who either stayed uh, you know close to home uh, or stayed back here, I should say, or waited uh, to go back home for the holidays, or just are ones who could make the trip from around here. Really good student section in this game uh, for a December game. Crowd was in it all the way loud, energetic, and, uh, yeah, lived up to the hype against a USC team, which had all the, all the spotlight in this game. Um, you know, there's so much draft talent on this team. 27 NBA teams are represented, uh, you know, in the stands in this game, just people wanting to watch Isaiah Collier and, and those guys. Um, but it was Auburn. It was Auburn who took, took over in this one and got a pretty big win. Like I said, 91-75. And, Dan, we talked about this after the UNC Asheville game, about how Auburn's games are kind of going according to a script here these last few. It happened again on set, uh, on Sunday. Auburn back and forth early. Didn't fall in a big hole. They are only down by three before they made the run. But then they hit the accelerator, and they were gone from there. 26-7 to run in the middle of the first half and left USC in the dust. USC only got within single digits really just for about a minute or so the rest of the way didn't get there at all in the second half and Auburn just kind of played keep away with them all game um I mean it's a formula that continues to work for this team deep balanced uh relentless and uh there's not going to be very many teams in the country that are going to be built to successfully counter that and I think USC was a team that really ran into that on Sunday yeah and it's, and it's another team that maybe has a size advantage mm-hmm. on Auburn at some spots but still lost the battle for points in the paint, just like Indiana did, uh, which which I thought was was kind of interesting too. But looking at, you know, Auburn is what a second, third quarter team, right? Like you look at the the definitely a second quarter team this year, I think. Yeah, well, and and the and the opening the opening minutes of the second half have yep. been Auburn uh, in some in some of these games. Auburn stretched, uh, you know, they they took fourteen and made it. Uh, twenty three, twenty five, didn't they? In the first ten minutes of the of the of the second half against USC. So no, it was uh, and, and a lot of that's bench production. A lot of that is uh, different players stepping up when uh, when 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 defenses. You know, sometimes it feels like Plan A has worked for the defenses facing Auburn, and they you know what what Auburn has had to revert to or or taking what the defense gives you mm-hmm. right has allowed Auburn to if it's if, if it's left Auburn open at the three-point line uh, they've been able to convert in that way if it's left 
uh, Dylan open in the lane. They, they've been able to uh, take advantage of that. So no, I, I think Auburn has done a great job of uh, to mix metaphors with sports. They've been done a really good job of counterpunching mm-hmm. uh, with, with with what uh, defenses have thrown at them this season and I mean it's one of many things you can point to you led the observations with the point guard play oh, and I man. think that's I mean that's that's probably right uh, but but no I just th- I just think Auburn's ability to like different teams have tried different things defensively right and it feels like Auburn has been able to by you know it, it's a uh, you know they're a they're a fighter who can do a lot of different match a lot of different styles uh, and uh, and it's been yeah I think that they their ability to uh, okay well they if it's a zone if it's aggressive man defense if it's uh, daring uh, Auburn to hit threes if it's daring Auburn to score around the basket uh, if it's daring Auburn to share the ball uh, the, you know th- it feels like Auburn's been able to uh, you know they've they've been able to, uh, to 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 match whatever challenge is there yeah no and and this game was a showdown between point guards and coming in Isaiah Collier I mean those of you who watched Isaiah Collier play on Sunday probably for the first time got it uh 6'5 point, uh, point guard he's built I, I tweeted during the game he's built like an edge rusher I mean he's just he's really muscular on 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 top of the fact that and long <laughs> on the top of the fact that he's got great size for a point guard and he is he's a tough cover because there was a couple possessions early in the game where it was just whoever had him had to got switched on to him, had to guard him. It was one on one, and it was boom. Here he goes, and it's just hard to. He's very fast. He's great at finishing around the rim. He finishes this game with thirteen points, which is fine, but three assists, four turnovers, and he only played eighteen minutes because he because he fouled out in this game. Um, Auburn did a really good job of attacking him on offense. Um, he is not a very polished defender at this point in his career, like a lot of young, very talented point guards can be in this point. On the flip side, Auburn in this game gets another pair of fantastic performances from Aiden Holloway and Trey Donaldson. Uh, Aiden finishes the game 15 points. He went 4-7 from deep in this one. Six assists, zero turnovers. Great point guard play from him. And then obviously Trey Donaldson as well continues a phenomenal streak. He has been super consistent. Super steady. Aiden's kind of been more up and down, especially as a guy who gets a lot of his stuff out of his jumper. Trey, seven points, went three or four from the field, had an and one in that game. Two boards, five assists, just one turnover, uh, and he finished with two steals in this one. Um, I tweeted it out on uh, on Sunday. Uh, Bruce mentioned it in the post game. Uh, I had to do a quick correction. Um, with 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 some of my addition, but last three games: Indiana, UNC, Asheville, and USC. Auburn's two point guards, Aiden Holloway and Trey Donaldson, have combined for seventy-eight points, twenty-five assists, and two turnovers. This is phenomenal basketball from your floor generals. And Dan, something Bruce said after the game that I, I think it bears repeating every time you see Aiden and Trey do this: these guys are the two youngest players Auburn has. This team is very experienced and deep and balanced. They put a lot on their on their point guards, and they are banking on talent. Aiden, obviously, with you know his exceptional um, shooting ability, um, and you know being the five star McDonald's All American. Trey Donaldson, a guy who split time between being a a point guard and a defensive back and a quarterback, 
uh, on the football field, was recruited at a high level by Auburn in both sports. Now in year two, he's getting to concentrate all that all that raw offensive or just pure athletic talent, not offensive talent, athletic talent into just one sport, channeling it for the first time in his career. And we're seeing him play like a five-star player, like a great young point guard. Um, these these two dudes are, are something special. I mean, to have one elite point guard changes so much for you in college basketball. To have two, I mean, it's 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 really really impressive to see what they're doing. You know, working off of each other so far this year. And think about Bruce's best teams at Auburn, right? Harper oh, yeah. Harper and Mitchell. Uh, Harper and Javon McCormick uh, were, were on the on the same team. Uh, Javon had uh, Javon had help, I believe, in the uh, in, in the backcourt as well. I mean, I get you had you had younger players uh, pl- playing that season as well. But you know, it's it's been. I mean, the depth is a weapon, and I mean, point guard depth, especially guys who can play off of each other, right? Because Auburn is still going with. Uh, although, although with Denver Jones playing, uh, at, playing at the so level well he's, right now. but then the level Denver Jones is playing, you're not seeing the Trey and Aiden lineup yeah. as much and Katie, either. And KD had been playing really well. Today was a, a struggle for him. Um, had some had some turnovers. You know, had some had some missed shots, but he cooled off in this game. But still, you got a lot out of Denver, and and KD still made some things happen when he was on the floor, especially on defense. Yeah, I had somebody ask me like, what were you expecting uh, going from Wendell? as the point guard these last couple of seasons to Donaldson slash Holloway. And, you know, I, I did think that the ball might move around more, mm-hmm. uh, you know, be, because, you know, may, maybe I don't know if either of those guys wanted to be as ball dominant as Wendell Green was at times. Uh, but I'm I'm really surprised with how well – like it's gone so far considering the level of competition Auburn has played and it's not just one guy we're talking about having played well at point guard like it's right it's it's a it, it is a two-man attack that they can go to either one at any time they feel comfortable with both of them in important possessions being on the court and I mean in a pinch they could go with they could go with KD right like there's I mean that would that would be if if either of them were um, hurt yeah you know, yeah i mean i guess if both of them were unavailable or you that's just probably you just tell Jalen williams you're now the point guard yeah be fine. I, <laughs> yeah go go with the, the five big guys yeah Den- denver and four, denver and four posts uh out there but uh uh but no i think that's a uh not i mean there's there's it's a it's a really you see what the coaches saw when they assembled the roster yes when it when it when they're playing well in games like this yeah, and to your point about the ball moving better, um, I think Trey Trey's vision is still his best attribute. I think you see him push the pace and get the ball down the floor uh, and, and make things happen with some of these lead passes. He's really, really good, and that vision really helps him on defense as well. You get that quarterback mentality that he brings to the position. On top of the fact that he can shoot, we all know that, and get to the basket, but you got this natural guy that is used to. Being a distributor, being a guy who has to see everything and, and be in charge of everything, he brings that quarterback mentality to your point guard spot. Meanwhile, Aiden Holloway, a guy that's probably not a, you know, he wasn't a pure point guard his entire career, like in you know high school AAU growing up, but he's developed to that because I think part of the thing with Aiden is he's a great passer in his own right, 
Uh, he makes some really flashy, flashy plays. He doesn't turn the ball over a ton. He had you know six and zero today uh, when it comes to his assist turnover ratio. But on top of that, like why I think the ball moving it gets a little bit better with him out there is him and Trey. You got Trey's quarterback mentality for Aiden. He's such a good catch and shoot guy that he's one of those get it back, you know, give it up to get it back kind of guys. Like he, the ball is naturally going to pop around more because he wants to be a guy to have I mean, Auburn's going to run stuff to try to get him the ball in his hands where it's not him just creating all on his own. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you're seeing that difference. Um, and I think the other big thing, as we saw in this game at times, when Auburn got on those really good runs and really held down USC for stretches of this game, those guys have really worked hard to be better defenders. Uh, early in the season, they were isolating uh, – teams were isolating Aiden Holloway and Trey Donaldson and saying, hey – we don't think you can stay in front of us or we're going to pick on you because you're the young guys out there and the everybody else on the floor has played a lot of college basketball. There's still some times where, you know, and everybody has this, there's still some times where there's some breakdowns, but they have gotten – I think they've tightened up their, their defense so much and it's made a huge difference here recently to the point where you have a game like this where, I mean, Boogie Ellis got his for sure. You know, but he turned the ball over five times in this game, and he had to really kind of catch fire, um, you know, early in the second half to kind of get on that really big run for him. Giving up twenty-two points to Boogie Ellis is like that's going to happen. I mean, that's most nights. That's what he gets. Keeping Collier again, his ATO continuing to be, you know, more turnovers and assists for both of those guys. Uh, Kobe Johnson, who is a good player in his own right, went two of thirteen from the field in this game. And you do a lot of you, you do a lot of things like that. I just think the defense. Yes, USC finished this game with seventy five. Yes, USC's got some dudes who can put the ball in the basket, um, and they were better in the second half than they were in the first half. But Auburn never really got threatened because at times this team will just really lock you down. And I don't think that happens without these point guards, both Trey Donaldson and Aiden Holloway, stepping up on that end of the floor. If Boogie Ellis ever goes in the portal again, Bruce is going to call. Right, like it's. I mean, he's got. I think to. he's done. I think this is year five for him. I would. I would assume he's done, but who knows? I see. For some reason, I thought he had another season of college basketball uh, left because he's he's one of the. I think he's one of the penny signees, like one of the first ones. So he played at, in the. Uh, he played in the. He played in the COVID year. So this is his fifth year. Um, and he hasn't redshirted. He hasn't redshirted in any of them. Uh, no, he's played. He's played. Uh, he's played. Pretty much okay. every game, all the games uh, well, since he's been. He's a really good pro- player. Probably the end of the road for Boogie Ellis, but no, he was a uh, – yeah, he's, he's a good player. Amazing that a guy who didn't play in the SEC runs into Auburn as many times. Third time. As, 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 as Ellis does, yeah, and, and played well in uh, – I, I, I don't know if he had a huge impact in the Memphis game because um, no, they had last a – Last year he carved him up. Yeah, no, last, last year he, he looked like uh, – you know, one of the one of the top players in the Pac-12 in the in that game against uh, against Auburn. So yeah, it's going to be and and that's you know and I think USC still got a lot to play for moving forward. I would not uh, write off that team by any stretch because of the uh, because of the kind of talent that they've 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 assembled. But they, they just got to put it together. A lot of their a lot of their stuff feels very NBA ish, where it's like if they're not beating you one on one, there's not a whole lot mm. left going on. And Auburn's rim protection held up for good stretches of this game. And when Auburn sat down and really liked down on defense, they they held him back. And the ball movement is not where you would probably want it to be. Also, I mean, keep in mind, Bronny James is 
is not 100%. He's nowhere near 100% at this point. It's a guy they, they counted on to be a pretty big player for them this year. Uh, Collier still figuring some things out for sure. Uh, I had a recruiting guy tell me this week that – and it's, this is not a knock on Bronny James, who was a very good basketball player. Yeah. I get the feeling that there is more attention, far more attention on him – as a college basketball player, like not just like the novelty of LeBron James's son is playing. It's not as though you know, he, he he shouldn't be in college basketball and no. he's and he's here because he's LeBron James's son. But I he's think a expecting him, talent, but he he's is, not, but, yeah, yeah. And and I think I mean I, from what I understand, he wasn't he he wasn't a dominant player necessarily at the no. you know m- most recently at the high school level. And so for a guy to go through the health episode that he is still working through. Like I, I think he'll be a he'll be a good college basketball player uh, sooner rather than later. I, I think expecting him to to be a lot more than that right now is probably not realistic based on a, cu- a couple of different factors there. We've talked about the point guard play. Of course, you got to go to the centers and real quick, Janai Broom, he had about a billion push shots he could have made against the against the soft part of that zone against USC. He had a couple of them, he didn't hit a lot of them. He left a lot out there. It didn't really matter. He had four blocks in this game, uh, did well on the boards. He kept USC's big man in check. Uh, the USC's big man didn't really do much of anything in this game at all on the offensive end. But, boy, howdy, Dylan Carwell, have yourself a game, young man. Uh, recent graduate Dylan Cardwell. I mean, asked Bruce after the game, and he was straight up about it. Um, this was the best Dylan Cardwell game. I think of his career, um, and, and Bruce seemed to agree. Eleven points, five boards, three steals, two blocks, two assists. Um, I think the great thing about Dylan this year, and I think what he should be really commended for, is that you know, year four, he has played with a with a maturity and a a commitment to his role that I think. You know, I, I'm not saying I did. I don't think it didn't think he was possible, but like he has evolved into this to the point where, look, you have Janai Broom on this team, and Janai is going to play 22, 23, 24, 25 minutes, maybe a little bit more than that each game. So Carwell, you know, is only going to play so many minutes per game, and when he's out there, he just I, he's been very efficient in maximizing his time out there. Um, he had that stretch in the second half where he just he could just do no wrong. Went three or four from the free throw line as well. That that kind of catapult form he's he's shooting from the free throw line is really really working for him. He had a block of Boogie Ellis that was one of the best blocks I've ever seen in Auburn Arena. Um, made himself open for dunks. He's not you know he's he's not taking dudes off the dribble. He's not trying to attempt you know several threes. Yeah, you know, he had one where he was kind of heat checking it. It looked pretty good. But he just made himself available for these dunks. He's not going to dribble a lot. He's not. I mean, he just he's going to protect the rim. He's going to run the rim, and he's going to do it really, really well. And he's going to play with a lot of. He's always played that with that energy and that enthusiasm, Dan. But like, it seemed to be it, like he's played with that kind of ferocity under control this year, a lot more. Um, you know, not making a ton of mistakes out there on the floor, and just, I mean, just doing his role really, really well. And um, I mean. There, so much credit should be given to Dylan Carwell so far this season. He has been, I think, the breakout player of the first 10 games from Auburn. Not to say that we didn't think he was going to be play a role, but from where he was at the beginning of the year to where he is now, 
I think he's probably made the biggest jump, made the biggest strides. It's either him or Chad Baker, uh, Mazzara, but, I mean, for, for Dylan, he's just he's just doing what Auburn's asking him to do really, really well. And um, like the power for I mean, – sorry, like the point guard situation where Auburn's guaranteed to have a really good point guard on the floor at all times, we have gotten to that point uh, with Auburn right now where you can say that about their center spot. In this game, they had the better point guards, they had the better centers – when you win those two matchups in major college basketball, you're probably going to win the, the game 99 out of 100 times, and, and they did in this one. Yeah, you know, Dylan and Austin Wiley missed each other by a year. Mm-hmm. Um, D- Dylan's first year was the, the first year without uh, – the, fir- the first year after Austin graduated. But they're both, uh, what, 6'10", 6'11", 250 to 260, 270, depending on – uh, when when you're talking about the the the, uh, the, the listing, uh, and and I, you know I really think Dylan has evolved into that kind of player in in Bruce's uh, offense, that kind of rim protector, that kind of rim runner, and uh, the way that Austin was scoring late in his career, right when teams were worried about the three point shooting from his teammates and. You know, Austin would have an open lane against a spread out defense. You're seeing some of that with Dylan yeah. this year. Yeah. And, you know, teams are more worried about uh, guarding the three point line against some of the other guys. And it leaves Dylan an open lane or or teams have to recover because, you know, a, a defender you know is, isn't uh, in position anymore against the uh, against the guy with the ball. And, and Dylan is the beneficiary of it. But he. uh yeah, I mean he's he's looked. I mean I think there's also been a noticeable upgrade in his explosion, right? It feels like yes. he's he does like, look like a better athlete this year. Yeah, I mean I, I you know I don't know. I'll probably ask because you know now now that he's appearing weekly on the drive, I'll, I'll ask you know what went into mm-hmm. any sort of transformation like that in the off season. But uh, he's uh, yeah, I mean he's he's taking advantage of the opportunities he's getting, and he's been a uh, he's he's been really impressive so far. Yeah, I mean, when when you have a center, when when your fives are going to be super energetic and playing off of each other well on both ends of the floor, you have that for forty minutes. You have really good point guard play for forty minutes. I mean, it it goes a super long way, and I think that's a huge reason why Auburn is eight and two at this point in the year. Jalen Williams, you talk about man on a mission in the first half 12 points five of seven from the field he had he was two of four from deep he almost canned another three-pointer early in the game on the second possession um two boards and assist he's hunting a shot he's playing aggressively bruce said after the game that you know jalen had a quiet night uh i guess the app state game uh he was held in check for the most part is probably the one he was referring to uh, and then since then, he has had excellent practices, excellent prep, and excellent games on top of it. Uh, but, you know, Jalen is not a guy that is going to have the Indiana game every week. Um, that first half against USC was very Indiana game-ish for him. And if you can start seeing that happen more frequently for Auburn, even if he's not going to do this every single game, he has those stretches where he can take over. USC didn't really have an answer for him. Their big men were – um, just not not handling Auburn up front very well, and uh, you know Jalen played a huge part in that. We've already talked about the centers. Thought Cheney uh, getting out there, not getting in foul trouble. Um, the stats are not going to show a ton for Cheney in this game, uh, but he was active out there making plays. Got to be on the floor for my, for a while, and then Denver Jones, man, 
I mean, do not sleep on what Denver Jones is doing. He has not been he has not had a game yet where you're looking at him like SEC player of the week type. He hasn't had an Aiden or a Janai or Jalen explosion yet, but two of two from deep, six of six from the free throw line. Um Dan, at this point in the year, he is shooting ninety two percent from the line and over forty percent from deep. This is the dude that Auburn wanted to get out of the portal. And even if he is not the most aggressive shot hunter on the floor, which I, I mean, I don't think that's that's his that's his mindset. He has really, I think he's done a good job of playing with his teammates and really inserting himself into this team without, you know, being the shot heavier guy he was at FIU. He just gets more and more confident each week, and those those efficiency numbers you start stretching that out over a course of games heading into SEC play. Denver could be a really really big time difference maker on top of the fact that he is one of your best defensive backcourt players that you got. It felt like November and December were really important months for Aiden and Denver because they were having to adjust to a, a very different role on this team versus the team they played on last season, right? With with Denver, it was on FIU, and I think they expected him to take uh, he, he was he, I I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I'm thinking Denver averaged 28 to 30 minutes a game for FIU last year, and I think he took uh, quite a few shots compared to his teammates on that team. Uh, maybe you can pull up, yeah, the, yeah you know he, the FIU numbers from last sure, year. Sure, last season, uh, Denver Jones averaged um, 33 minutes a game at FIU and shot 14 times a game this year. 20 minutes, six shot attempts per game. And I think that number is going to increase as the season goes on. The Both of those are, but you're right, Dan. Like, he is – this is a big difference from where he was last year. It's a different type of team, different kind of style. He's not having to ask to do everything. Uh, and, and he got off to a slower start, a little more inconsistent start, but he is really finding his groove here over the last few weeks. Yeah, and I, and I think the hope is that Denver can be really effective in 20 to 24 minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, bringing a lot of that offense that he brought to FIU last year without necessarily needing the ball as as often especially as, he, if you as wanna, he had it. Especially if you want to get, like, Katie Johnson 15 or 16 minutes. Maybe you want to play Trey, you know, at, at the two a little bit more. Um, but, yeah, I mean, just a great game there from, from, uh, from Denver. It's a, big, it's a big adjustment for him. And then, and then Holloway, I imagine the numbers oh, are, cra- are crazy, crazy as far as, the, you know, the adjustment from – from last look, year to uh, to this year, and you know you got to you got to adjust to not just the level of competition, but also the quality of your teammates, right? You know, you, you share, especially at that position, you share the ball more uh, on on a team with talented scorers than you might if uh, if you if you don't have confidence in the guys that you're uh, playing around. This is uh, this is something about this team that has continued to impress me. We we saw it. In the preseason, we heard about it. The chemistry and the unselfish nature of this team. I mean, this is a team that their assist-to-turnover ratio over the last three games is stupid. Just how much. I mean, they are dominating the turnover battle these last few games. They are running up. Really, let's think about the two games Auburn's lost this year. One of them is to a Baylor team that's only lost once all year. Now, they did get ha- they did get hammered by Michigan State the other day. But in a game where Baylor had – shot a ton more free throws in, in their very first game of the year. The other loss was to App State, where Auburn didn't take care of the ball and they missed a ton of wide-open shots, okay? 
every other game, for the most part, they have taken care of business and look good doing it. It's the balance. It is the chemistry. These guys work really well together on and off the floor. You're seeing that defense take a step forward because of it. You're seeing the offense be exciting and explosive. You know, Bruce said it after the game. You know that Boogie Ellis is going to get his for USC. You don't know who's going to get who's going to be the one to get you from Auburn. And at different times in the game, it might be a different dude. Chad Baker Mazar is a great example. He goes from you know the last couple of games not really hitting much. I mean, he didn't take a shot in the first half of this game, and then he you know goes and gets a quick little touchdown in, in points. Um, you know, in a game where he only took three shots in the entire game, and Bruce pointed out afterwards. He's the happiest dude in the locker room afterwards. And, like, Janai Broom could be playing 30 minutes a night. Aiden Holloway could be playing 35 minutes a night somewhere. Um, a number of these guys could be doing that. Dylan. Dylan could have probably left for Dylan a could be Dylan could be a certified star. And I'm not even saying, like, he could start probably on a power conference team the way he's been playing. And these guys all bought in, and it's it's so – it's so kind of countercultural to what you see in major college basketball often, especially with elite, elite prospects. Um, and it's what makes this team pretty special. I don't know how far they're going to go. I don't know how serious of a contender they're going to end up being in the SEC play. They're playing really good basketball right now, and they're beating some quality teams um, pretty thoroughly right now, which is a great sign. They need to stay healthy. They need to continue to work on some things and tweak some things. But, um, yeah, I mean, Dan, it's just the the – the chemistry and the camaraderie of this team really stands out, and Bruce said it from the very beginning. They don't have a starting five that's filled with elite talent. You have guys like you have a guy like Chris Moore out there, who is just going to ram his head through the center of the floor, diving for loose balls and playing really good defense and rebounding. Um, but it's that ten and that eleven because I mean Leor's. I will say this: Leor Berman as the 11th man getting in a little bit more frequently these last few games, has played well when he's been out there. Um, played 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 really well, I should say, in, in his limited minutes. It's just so different, and I, I it makes them, like you said at the very beginning we started talking about this, they can adjust and counterpunch to what other teams are throwing at them because it's just it's all that depth. And we talk about talent winning out a lot. Auburn's got talent, but they've got depth that, like, very few teams in college basketball can even compare to. All right. Let's take let's take care of some quick business first. We'll come back with some football. Here we go. As we said at the beginning of the show, subscribe to the Auburn Observer. $5 a month or $50 a year between now and the end of December. You're getting a lot of newsletters. You get the football roster tracker. Uh, you get all of our podcasts sent your way. Also, this is the part of the show where Painter would tell you to rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcasts. If there's a way to review us, if there's a way to follow us, give us give us a give us a couple of clicks. Say something nice about us if you can. It helps us out tremendously, and it goes a very very long way uh, in, uh, in in getting more people's uh, eyes and ears on the product. So we thank you guys very very much. As we say all the time, like with the gift subscriptions, you are our best marketing tool. Thank you very much. Also. Our friends at Homefield Apparel, homefieldapparel.com, the number one place to buy collegiate apparel. Saw a lot of Homefield in the stands on uh, on Sunday. Also, shout out, uh, shout out to, to to my to my buddy Daniel who wore his home his Auburn Observer Homefield shirt 
at the game. Really cool. Uh, but you can get the Auburn Observer T-shirt. It's the most comfortable. I mean, Daniel even said it. The most comfortable blue T-shirt you're going to find everywhere with our logo. Uh, you can just search Auburn Observer at homefieldapparel.com. You can get a lot of cool Auburn stuff there. Um, T-shirts, sweatshirts, hoodies, hats, uh, joggers, a ton of cool Auburn designs. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to keep it real with you here. If you make your order now, might not get here in time for Christmas. You, you've probably waited a little too late. We've, we, we gave you all the sales and all the options. But gift cards, you can always give gift cards, and you can always get a, a you know, if you got a little spending money after Christmas, go to Home Field Apparel. You get 15% off your first order at homefieldapparel.com when you use the promo code OBSERVER23 upon checking out. We gave you all the clues. No, there, there's, uh, uh, there's some really cool Troy stuff uh, with, with, uh, with Home Field, too, some of the Troy State gear. Uh, that's available if they wanted to. Uh, Troy has done. Troy has been very nice to me uh, with, uh, with with Adidas gear these last couple of seasons. Uh, but there is some is some very uh, stylish uh, Troy stuff uh, presented by uh, Home Field. So so yeah, check uh, check that out by all means. All right, Dan. For the rest of the show, let's talk a little football. Uh, Auburn's got a busy week ahead, as we said at the beginning of the show. Uh, we will talk about early signing period. And all that fun stuff with Christian on uh, Thursday, or we'll send it out on Friday, uh, most likely, for you guys. Looking forward to that episode for sure. Uh, but we've got some movement to talk about. Auburn has, I guess, Dan, where do you think we should start here? We, we've got some we've got some roster movement to, to discuss, and also we've got, related to that, we did hear from Hugh Freeze on Saturday uh, ahead of what is uh, what was Auburn's first practice of uh, bowl prep for uh, for the Maryland game? So, what direction should we go? Should we get to the just the facts about what's going on with the with the transfers in and out, or should we move on to uh, should we should we should we lump that in with uh, with what Freeze has had to say? Because uh, it was pretty 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 informative press conference from from the Auburn head coach yeah I thought there were some illuminating things from uh, from coach freeze on Saturday about Auburn's approach in the portal and you know w- what they see in their own quarterbacks uh, moving forward I would still think that var jumping into the portal mm-hmm. is is the biggest thing especially in the short term because you know, I, I was still looking at him as even if you attempted to upgrade uh, at at receiver, still felt like there'd be a role for for Var on the team in 2024. He's been the most productive receiver two years in a row now uh, for Auburn, and yeah, it's a uh, it's it's a, a surprising departure and leaves Auburn pretty thin uh, for the uh, for the bowl game at, at that position. Yeah, Javarius Johnson heading into the portal after a lengthy career at Auburn. Leaves Auburn with four scholarship receivers uh, heading into the bowl game. That'd be Coy Moore, Cameron Brown, Jay Fair, and Caleb Burton the third. Auburn has added um, Robert Lewis out of, the, uh, out of the transfer portal from Georgia State. And then they've got the four guys currently committed at wideout, but yeah, um, could Shane Hooks play in the bowl game? Is there? You're right. You're right. I just said Shane Hooks and Nick Marner. I, I had them as departures on this sheet, but reminding myself now, hey, those guys still have eligibility uh, for this game. 
Shane Hooks and Nick Martin as well. So six uh, uh, technically would be it. So I misspoke oh. there. But you have lost four receivers to the portal here with now uh, both of the Johnsons, Kelly and Shorter. And I think Fair and Hooks are the only two that caught more than ten passes this season. Uh, Caleb Burton's probably just just under that number if he's not also in double digits but it's a uh, it's a group uh, you have that, that backwards okay hooks, hooks had nine burton had 11 okay by the end so, of the year so fair and burton uh you know two two of the guys who will be presumably will be back next year you gotta soften mm-hmm. you gotta soften statements like that when you're talking about next season's roster in this day and age because caleb burton uh not that i want to see caleb burton go anywhere uh but caleb burton is one of those players who uh, in the era of unlimited undergraduate transfers uh could could presumably uh you know he he is someone who a week and a half ago would have would have probably had to sit out a year if he had transferred somewhere else but now he's got immediate eligibility if if he moves on but no to uh, uh to lose var it it's a i mean it's a big blow to the to the bowl game receiving sure. core and depending on what the team looks like when fall practice gets going, could be a big blow to uh, a passing game that wanted to take a step forward next season. It is interesting considering the fact that, you know, you've got Jay Fair, you've got Caleb Burton, you've got Bryce Kane, you've added Robert Lewis. These are all kind of smaller slot type guys. Auburn would have had to get creative to get those guys on the field in 2024, but Obviously, when you need to take a step up in the passing game like Auburn does in order to be a successful team in 2024, you know, the more the merrier. And uh, numbers are numbers, and we'll talk about that with with, uh, with another position group here momentarily. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, VAR was – we had talked about it, how Auburn had not lost a key contributor to this point in the portal. VAR is now the exception to that rule. I would also add, um, you know, Robbie Ashford also entering the portal – uh, here in the last few days. Astrid, a guy, wasn't going to be the starter at Auburn like moving forward, you know, and, and played a role uh, in, in quite a few games for Auburn this past season. Uh, I think, I'll just say this, I think I think that Robbie Ashford can be a starting quarterback somewhere uh, in, in, in FBS, um, maybe even the Power Five. Uh, I hope he finds a good landing spot and, and, a, and a place that will let him turn him loose. He is a, he's got real talent for sure. Um, there's no doubt about that. Um, what Auburn wanted to do, especially throwing the ball and especially trying to sell to these younger receivers, this freshman class they're building up, uh, for the future might not have fit as well with Ashford's skill set as some other quarterbacks on the roster. So all the best to Robbie Ashford. Uh, I will be looking forward to seeing where he ends up and, and, and seeing if he gets a chance to kind of run the show on a team because he is a really fun player and, and Auburn fans always have the good moments with him um, over the last couple of seasons. But yeah, the VAR the VAR departure from a from a role perspective, you could see where it makes sense, especially if you're trying to get younger and you've had some added some different guys to the position. But you know, VAR was a guy that had been your top receiver for the last couple of years, and Auburn is going to have to work hard to get those guys get that production replaced and added on to. Um, but that's what that's what all these freshmen are for, you would say. Yeah, I, I really want to see what Robbie's uh, portal market looks like too, because and he is Robbie Ashford, also someone who 
before the temporary restraining order may have had to sit out a year if he had gone into the transfer portal uh, after the season. I don't know if Robbie Ashford has has earned his undergraduate degree yet, uh, but he uh, he transferred from Oregon to Auburn already as an undergrad. So so Robbie is somebody who maybe gets an eligibility boost uh, if this if this ruling holds. Uh, I, I do wonder if the uncertainty uh, impacts not just Robbie, but a lot of these recruits, like because I guess the rug could be pulled in two weeks and they could find out that they're not eligible uh, for the uh, for, for the 2024 season after all when, when we find out more. But for now, Robbie Ashford would seemingly be eligible wherever he goes. Could yeah, could, could a, a power five team or a group of five team look at him as a quarterback? Would he be open uh, to a position change if a team expressed a desire to look at that? Is he uh, still considering baseball? Like, I, like I think there's a lot he's of got, he's got options. Yeah, I think there's a lot of really interesting stuff uh, available to Robbie Ashford depending on what he wants to do. So, those are the outgoing transfers that's the that's the update there incoming transfer we need to talk about here gage keys committing to auburn on sunday evening before we started recording kansas defensive lineman started his career at minnesota uh, keys has been on a college football team for the last four years really only played the last couple didn't have a ton of standout statistics uh, you know at kansas but auburn uh really saw something in him uh you know jeremy garrett uh, making a push to get him. Auburn's the last time Auburn got a transfer defensive lineman from Kansas. It worked out pretty well. Uh, but Keys is a guy that I think, you know, you don't want to project too much. I mean, Eugene, who would have thought Eugene Asante would end up being one of Auburn's best players, you know, based on his past production uh, th- this year. So, you know, every situation, every new situation is a new opportunity. Don't want to say anything, you know, that makes me look stupid later. But Gage Key is not a guy that has been – Hyper productive uh, at his point at this point in the college career, but I mean, Dan, they, they need guys, they need bodies on the defensive line for sure moving forward. When you lose, you know, Marcus Harris is going pro; he won't be playing in the in the uh, in the bowl game. Uh, by the way, DJ James, Nehemiah Pritchett also um, not expected to play in the bowl game. I think Pritchett has made an announcement of some kind there. Jalen Simpson, if healthy, sounds like he is going to play, uh, according to Hugh Freeze. I found that very interesting. Um, you know, he he did tell us earlier in the year, talking about the bowl game, he said, I just want to play. And so he looks like he's going to kind of stick to that. But this defensive line, when you look at all the guys that Auburn has going out, um, they just need – they and it was a thin position group to begin with. Going ahead and grabbing a guy that they know that could – I mean, as, my thing, Dan, with the age keys is if he can get into the rotation, if he can be a guy that can take up a spot for you next year and see what you got, get out of him, I mean – that that's exactly what you need here. You need a piece. You need pieces on that defensive line. You don't necessarily have to go for broke and try to swing for a potential All American. Um, you need dudes, and uh, Gage Gage Keys is definitely a dude that's that's seen a lot of football. A little curious. There hasn't <clears throat> there hasn't been an announcement from Justin Rogers uh, yet. Uh, you know, he's somebody with a year of eligibility remaining who uh, could. Uh, you a few know, of those guys. Yeah, yeah Jalen McLeod as well. Cam Riley, there's a number of those. Dudes. I, I, uh, uh, Jones, I, I guess would also Jones, yeah. would, would also be in that category. I mean, if Auburn returns Jones and Rogers, and they pick up uh, Gage Keys, like that's, I mean, it's 
as, they as dudes. yeah, as they work to uh, replace Marcus Harris's production, it might not come. It's like Moneyball, right? Marcus Harris's, you know, that, that may not just come from one player. You may need a rotation of defensive linemen to and, uh, to, and, to help. And potentially one of those options is Caldrick Falk having a big sophomore year and yes. and, and, and seeing an increase in his production as well. Um, I think, I think it was the I think it was the uh, the twenty four seven Kansas affiliate that had a mm-hmm. stat that uh, uh, Keys played. I, I think it was. I, I don't want. I don't want to get it wrong, but it, it's it's he had uh, the thirteenth most snaps of any defensive player in the bowl subdivision this past season for Kansas. So he was on the field for a ton. Uh yeah, 301 uh 301 plays or something like that, which is for a defensive lineman, it was uh it was it was crazy usage. And yeah, you are right, he didn't have a ton of counting stats, but that's also not a position where uh where you're going to get a ton of opportunities. Yeah, nearly 300 pounder too. To, yeah. To rack I mean, those up. I just think I just think showing the ability to stay available and mm-hmm. and hold up at that size over the course of a Big Twelve season and play as much as he did at Kansas, yep. uh, you know, I, I think it's a it's a nice pickup for Auburn. Yeah, free saying on Saturday, uh, looking at maybe you know DJ Reed, Bobby Jamison, Travis getting some opportunities in the bowl game. You need those guys to kind of step as well. Zeke Walker also has some eligibility remaining. Another one on the defensive line for Auburn, um, and then you're bringing in right now. You got you know a few guys uh, in this in this uh, class that you're bringing in up front. Obviously, the edge rushers are big. Jamonte Waller, Joe Phillips, um, as a, and, and Auburn's still trying to make some moves uh, on the defensive line. Amaris Williams, uh, a guy that Auburn is really working hard to flip from Florida. L.J. McCray as well. Uh, but there's been a lot of lot more buzz here recently about Amaris Williams um, on the defensive line. So, yeah, Gage Keys, a, a pickup that, again, like I said, if, if he can just be a valuable rotation player for you next year, you, you got exactly what you need because you are losing – you know, yes, you did lose Marcus Harris. You also lost a number of guys that 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 could have provided quality depth next year, and you just, you need to refill that as much as you can. Um, Speaking of uh, Florida, uh, you mentioned because because Auburn just flipped uh, Waller earlier in the cycle. Uh, we talked about the Penn defensive lineman mm-hmm. uh, Joey Slackman, who canceled his visit sort of last minute uh, to Auburn. He announced that he's going to Florida. Uh, earlier today so that so he's yeah. he, he's off and the this, board as a target and, Ju- and so- juice wells who i was holding a candle for uh, as uh you know I, there had been there had been absolutely no talk of auburn and juice wells no. uh, and it seemed to be old miss all the way but i i looked at him as somebody who uh yeah i mean that, that's that's a huge pickup at receiver uh and uh, and i guess the good news is he's not on auburn's schedule that next year this is going to be a good year not to play old miss um old miss you know, 10-win team, and look, Lane Kiffin, Ole Miss has not built this through high school recruiting and guys that are going to be there for three or four years. They are the portal team, and they continue to flip it that way. And look, it's worked. He's, Kiffin's got a plug-and-play system. Their defense got better this year. Yeah, this is going to be a good year to avoid Ole Miss, I think, on the schedule if you're Auburn for sure. Um, be very interested to see what happens in Oxford next season. That's going to be a really good team, I think, for sure. But it's something that Freeze talked about, Dan, on Saturday, and I'm interested to hear your, your thoughts on this. I wrote about it at the Observer on Saturday afternoon for those who check it out. We'll talk about the quarterback situation angle to this, but about transfers. And, you know, I asked Freeze about – he's not a fan, and I don't think there's any coach in America that's a fan of 
recruiting and transfer portaling and getting ready for bowl games all at the same time. Um, it, it is just a roster management nightmare, and it, it's tough. I I think, you know, I, I'm beginning to think there is, unless you are a true super superpower, you're either probably going to commit your time more to portal or high school recruiting. Trying to play it down the middle, I don't know if you're going to get the results you want on either side. Freeze put his cards out on the table on Saturday and said, look, I part of the reason why we've been a little sluggish in the portal is because we're working as hard as we can to try to lock down a high school class, the best high school class we can. To this point, Auburn's number 11 in the country. They've got some flip targets left on the board. If you're talking realistic ones, probably Williams, Maris Williams stands out. K.J. Bolden's made it sound like on the record that he's not flipping from Florida State. We'll see. Auburn's got to keep all their uh, big fish in the boat as well. I, I mentioned uh, Cohen Eccles. We've talked about Cohen Eccles, the offensive line uh, lineman who decommitted from uh, Texas A&M not too long ago. Auburn's been a, a key contender for him. There's a number of guys they're trying to get, and uh, they flip a couple of them, one or two of them. This could be a phenomenal class. Obviously, Ryan Williams is still out there. Ryan Williams made his you know was was at the the, the USC game on Saturday was in town this weekend, um, and or on uh, on Sunday because you know Auburn's trying to do everything they can to flip him. It sounds like he's probably after reclassifying going to sign in February, unless Alabama can make something crazy happen here over the next few days. Auburn's going to feel like they have a shot there, and this is an Auburn legacy who is. Might be one of the best players in the, in the out of the state in a very very long time. Um, they're 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 going after guys in the portal. There's no doubt about it. But the priority has been with the high school ranks, and we'll see if that pays off on Wednesday. I think it will. It is funny though. Freeze goes out and says that on Saturday about you know focus on the focus on the high school class, focus on the high school class. Then you get a portal weekend that. While you have things like Joey Slackman canceling his visit, you also get situations where A.J. Harris walks through the door on Saturday, the former five-star local product corner from Georgia who is going, you know, he, he you know played right down the road from here. And he's in the portal, and Auburn's got a real chance to get him, and that's a guy who'll play several years for you if you can keep him around. And then um, the big one on Sunday – um, in case you haven't seen it, Jamin Dumas Johnson, who is a preseason All-American at Georgia, um, he it, just this this phenomenal player that played on two national title teams. He was a great true freshman there. He entered the portal um, as well as like Harris on I think it was Friday. He was in there, um, but he had a he had an injury. Uh, he had an injury during the fall. Didn't really have the season a lot of people that expected him. He's in the portal, and he shows up at Auburn on Sunday. So Auburn's got a shot a shot at, at one of the best you know linebackers in the portal as well. And so Dan Freeze goes out here and says, "Hey, we're gonna we're we're gonna put this emphasis on the high school staff. That doesn't the class that doesn't mean they're gonna go away from the portal guys. But um, it is interesting. You have to strike that balance. And what Auburn is running into has run into is. These teams that are prioritizing the portal and getting these portal guys, they get these kids on on campus early and say, hey, come sign here right now. Don't go anywhere else. And Auburn has had several dudes cancel their visits, you know, 
traditional logic would tell you, hey, get the last visit before signing day. You'll be in a good last visit before the dead period. That's a good spot to be in. Well, what if they don't show up? What if they never get here? Auburn made up for that by getting some good transfers in this weekend, but it's a tough balance to play, and Freeze is taking a risk, taking a gamble by going in on high school guys. It's a, it's a longer build, but you can see where it can pay off you know, in the long run. I do wonder if anybody is going to have the resources to stay in the top 10 in both high school recruiting and portal recruiting on a regular basis. I know Alabama has uh, been a target for several big-time uh, recruits. Apparently, LT Overton, who was the – so LT Overton was the number one player – was supposed to be the number one player in the 23 class, reclassified, went to A&M a year early. His parents worked at Alabama in athletics administration uh, during their careers. I believe his his dad is the AD at Kennesaw State uh, now. So it, it's, uh, you know, he, he's somebody who is considering, I guess Alabama is considered the favorite for, for him and his younger brother from A&M. But, but I don't know how many schools are going to be able to, to you know, I, I think for a lot of coaches they're going to have to make a choice. Like you said, and you know, Hugh Freeze views, especially in a place with high school talent uh, like Alabama and Georgia and and Florida and Tennessee, you know the the, the surrounding area, uh, he he views that as more sustainable. It's not surprising considering Hugh Freeze's roots too, right? Like this guy was a successful high school football coach before making the jump to college football in his own right. So you know, I, I could see why he still views making you know, building relationships with high school coaches and finding out who the best players are and recruiting them early and bringing them in and develop, developing them. Like I could see why that's still uh, it's, it's still the plan. Will it work in an era where players can leave after one year if they're unhappy about playing time or they think – they can get a better offer somewhere else. I don't know. We'll we'll see. But I think I understand why Hugh Freeze believes that's that's the most sustainable way to build a winner at Auburn. I think it's the most sustainable way to build a a championship contending team in the SEC in the expanded playoff era. Teams like Ole Miss, if they hit it. They're going to be able to to crash the party. They should have been you know, expanded playoff. Ole Miss would have been in this year, right? And so, it, it's it's a decision to make. I think for Auburn, the key here it's very important to keep keep this in mind. Auburn's best plan of success is to stack elite recruiting classes and have the and develop them and keep them in place and have them rolling long term. That is getting harder and harder to do in this era of the super team in recruiting and in the transfer portal era. But you it, it makes sense to do that. And I and I do agree that if you ever want to hold up a national championship trophy or an SEC tra- championship trophy again at Auburn, that's the way to do it. However, you have to make it there. You have to see it out. And in order to see it out, especially in this day and age of instant gratification in college football where you get I mean, they'll be on you quick if you don't win and you don't turn it around you got to still do what it takes to see it through. And what I mean by that is this. Auburn went 6-6 six, six, six and six this year. They should have been better than that. They had, several, they had multiple games where they should have won um, that they didn't. And Hugh Freeze will probably be the first to tell you that they uh, are disappointed with only winning six games. It was a year one. 
the long-term success of this program, you need the recruiting wins, you need to develop and move on. Next season, Auburn needs to be better than they were this year to continue to sell this, not just to recruits, but to fans, to people, to the people who have the money, to the leadership, you know, to the boosters, whatever you want to want to say. And so, going all in in high school recruiting is a smart strategy, but you got You got to be able to see it out to the end. And in order to do that, you're going to have to be better on the field. Now, those high school kids could help you do that next season if you if you're Auburn. But there's a lot of pieces that got to get into place. So that's why you're not completely ignoring the transfer portal. And that's why you're also trying to make some of these moves, you know, here recently. Um, they got to get better. They got to get better. If you're if you're an underwhelming team, mediocre record, and you still have a really good recruiting class, some people will be okay with that. And then some people will be looking at you like people are looking at Florida right now. The And I'm glad you mentioned Florida because the – uh, the the group you didn't mention when you were talking about all the people who will start to uh, you know, start, start to lose confidence if the team isn't better in year two uh, one of one of the most important blocks that you have to keep happy the current roster right because if if guys on that roster feel like you know if if if, if your yeah. roster feels like it's it's heading in the wrong direction the most important players from that roster yep. will leave. Brian Harson experienced that at the end of year one yeah, as not, the head coach. You get a you get a five star player out of high school, you get these blue chip players out of high school, they're not signing four year contracts with you. That's not that's not how this game works. Now, again, like we said, is it a smart strategy? Absolutely. But you gotta be able to do enough to see it through to the end. And you're gonna have bumps in the road early on. Arbor's gonna have bumps in the road next year. But what are they going to do to make sure, with the talent that they're bringing in right now, to continue to pull, push moving forward and say, hey, if we continue to go on this path and continue to get more and more talented, we can be that contender. You've got to figure out ways to get, get, get to that next level. All that to say, quarterbacks, Peyton Thorne, 2024. Quarterback's the most important position on the field, right? And Auburn's got to get better quarterback play, better passing game play in general in order to win in 2024 like they want to. This team against against you know teams with winning records, Peyton Thorne did not have a good year. Now, is it all on him? No. Auburn struggled at wide receiver this year. They had issues left and right. It's not all on their on the quarterback. But even if you take away drops and stuff like that, it was still pretty much kind of a average to below average um, mark this year for a guy like Thorne against quality competition. So what does that mean? It looks like Auburn's going to run it back with Thorne in 2024. I'll never say never. I'll never rule anything out. Could be Holden Gariner. You know, Holden, Holden's name was mentioned several times in that press conference from Hugh Freeze on Saturday, so keep that in mind. You do have Walker White coming in. You do have Hank Brown as well. For Auburn, you're looking at this scenario where if you don't have unlimited resources to spend your money with NIL or, and whatnot, do you go spend the big money it takes to get a big-name quarterback, or do you allocate that money elsewhere and run it back with Peyton Thorne, a guy who, at his best, can be a pretty good quarterback at this level? Now, there you need there are different factors that go into that. His really good year at Michigan State, he had the best running back in the country. He had several NFL wide receivers. 
Auburn is going to – playing playing in it against a tough schedule, it's going to have to take a step up for that. But I did think Hugh Fraze made a really good point on, on Saturday, and it's something I've thought about here. First-year transfer quarterbacks in, in college football this year, had a, had a few of them that were pretty good. But if you look at the top ten quarterbacks in college football this past season in terms of yards per game, this is crazy, in yards per attempt, this is, this is a crazy stat. I think six of the top ten were dudes who were second-year guys mm. as transfers. We're talking Jaden Daniels, Bo Dix, Michael Penix, Caleb Williams. Uh, uh, I'm blanking on I'm blanking on the uh, Dylan Gabriel. Who's the Who's the sixth one? Oh, I'm gonna hate myself. Oh, oh, Cam Ward, who's back in the portal, yeah. and, and Dylan Gabriel is also in the portal. Um. Anyway, Dad, like that second year. We have seen second-year well, transfer Ward's a, guys. Ward's a, first, Ward's a first-year guy at Washington no, th- State. No, this though. was his second year at Washington State. Wasn't it? I thought he was an incarnate Ward in 22. He was an incarnate Ward two years ago. This was his second year at Washington State. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, I mean, you have seen quarterbacks, transfer quarterbacks, second year in a system really take a step forward and be among some of the best. Now, I'm not sitting here and saying he's going to be – Jaden Daniels or Bo Nix or or even you know you Michael Pitt Joe Burrow's an example a lot of people point to as well I'm not saying any of that but getting better sure you can easily see where you can get better especially if you feel like you have better wide receiver talent next year and something I asked Freeze in the press conference on Saturday he gets a full off season Dan you've been you've been ringing this bell for a while people forget sometimes that that Peyton Thorne had to do a lot of this in fall camp and in the summer and did not have that spring practice. And that just makes it tougher for you to be super successful in year one as a quarterback at this level. Right. I, I didn't want to ch- I didn't want to chime in when when uh Hugh was talking about first year quarterbacks, you know, from the portal who who did play well. I mean, uh DJU had a had a good season at Oregon State. He did. Uh I would throw uh the uh the I mean Shadur Sanders. Would be yeah, uh, uh, although although they didn't Sam, win a ton of games, but Sam Hartman had a good year. Yeah, Sam Hartman's a good one. Uh, so th- there were a couple, but you know, I, I don't know if they they qualify as guys who uh, set the world on fire or anything like that. As I think, uh, you, you know, and I guess the other the other thing to think about with quarterback, hey, Quinn is, Ewers was a second year guy this year. I just thought about that. As Quinn well. Ewers was a second year guy for Texas. Jackson Dart. Jackson Dart, second year at, uh, at at Ole Miss. No, it was a it was a big year for after that really busy. Uh, portal uh, session we saw after the 2021 season, mm-hmm. right? Like all that movement we saw, including uh, Caleb Williams, you know, kind of as the as the the biggest name. But a lot of those guys uh, had really good seasons in in their second year, sort of entrenched with a program, which which is something to be to be hopeful for uh, if you improve the 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 room around or the or the team around Peyton Thorne. Um, you know, I guess if you don't you don't know what what the uh, the the ripple effects would be of if if Auburn tried to make the you know if, if Auburn does you know if Auburn decided to allocate the resources towards a new quarterback an established guy in the portal does that does that take away their ability to recruit other parts of the roster in a significant way Are you able to go get these high school these high school receivers because you're running it back at quarterback and not throwing a huge offer at 
w- one of these one that, of these big names on the, the board at quarterback. And obviously Auburn's got to yeah actually sign these four they've got committed and make that run at at, uh, at Ryan Williams, you know, potentially in, in February. But I do find that interesting that. If it looks like Auburn is going to run it back with Thorne or with the with Holden or you know somebody on the roster right now, it hasn't seemed to shake any of the confidence in in these young quarterbacks, which I find very interesting. Um, you know, Auburn's got to figure out you know long term their quarterback situation is very interesting. With Thorne, it's you know there's a risk attached to that as well, right? You go after a transfer quarterback, you plug him in in year one. You turn you you know, what if it doesn't work out? You know, and were you able to were you able to spend that money? You know, that money that you spent on him, would you have rather have gotten it on other guys? You know, other spots on the roster. Now I think Freeze was pretty honest on Saturday when he said, "Like, look, I'm not telling you my my way is guaranteed to succeed. This is just what I'm going to do. This is what we're going to do. This is what we think is right." And they'll have to adjust and adapt if it doesn't. But, uh, you know, there's risk in, in every side. If you want to go out and get a big-name quarterback if you're Auburn, that's great. You could see where you could take that step up. But is it worth what it could impact long-term for that short-term benefit? That short-term benefit might not even be guaranteed. And you look at a situation where a second-year quarterback in Thorne could get better with better talent around him at wide receiver another year in the system, locked, you know, locked in, stuff like that. And, again, I want to say it one more time. You've also got a scenario where, you know, maybe a guy like a Holden Garner takes that step forward in this system and and really pushes a guy like Peyton Thorne or or Walker White or Hank Brown. You just without a transfer guy, like you just got to keep an eye on that. I mean, based on Hugh Freeze's history, if you improve the team around Peyton Thorne and his production doesn't improve, I imagine Hugh Freeze is going to kick the tires on whoever else is in the quarterback room. If that's Holden Gurner, if that's uh, Hank Brown, like we'll see. Could you envision a scenario, Justin, where Auburn goes into this fall with Peyton Thorne, Holden Gurner, uh, Hank Brown, and Walker White as the four scholarship quarterbacks on the team? I could see that happening. I could see that happening. Um We'll see about Holden, I think. You know, that might be like a spring scenario where things kind of shake out uh, there if you're Auburn. Um, and I look, I, and I also say something about Peyton Thorne. It's like even in some of the games where he struggled throwing the ball or Auburn struggled throwing the ball against quality competition, still ran the ball really well and still made some good plays and some good decisions. And Auburn came close to beating some good teams in spite of that. So you can see where the – where the gap can be, you know, overtaken, right? You know, it's not like it's it's not like Auburn had zero hope in these games. You know, it's like Georgia, Alabama, you know, some of these other ones, like Ole Miss, where it's like they had zero hope in these games. Now, was it bad at times? Yeah, absolutely. But you can see where there's Sarah where running back. And all I'm saying is this: it's like lean on high school recruiting or the portal. Get a new quarterback or keep Peyton Thorne. Either one of those two scenarios that we just laid out there, those those options, there's risk and reward attached to both sides. I think Auburn deciding to go with high school recruiting as the priority right now, run it back potentially with this quarterback room in 2024. I think long-term, 
that could raise your ceiling. But you got to get there if, if you're Auburn. And no matter who you're bringing back, you know, at quarterback or, 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 or what the pieces around these guys, you got to be able to take those steps forward. Because I think for, for Hugh Freeze would be the first one to tell you, and the staff and these players would be the first one to tell you, the way they went, got to 6-6 six and six this year and when it could have been a lot better, that's not something that's going to be ultra acceptable to the, in the hearts and minds of fans in 2024. So got to take those steps forward. And uh, I've, I've always been a guy, Dan, that talent acquisition is the name of the game and selling out to get that talent, that, that elite high school talent, makes a ton of sense to me. But you got to see it out to the end. And you gotta you got to do the things in place to make sure you see it out. Well, and, and not to – I understand that the college, you know, college football has changed a lot since Hugh Freeze – I had his best teams at Ole Miss, right? But those teams were built on uh, the best the best high school receivers he could find and quarterbacks that were maybe overlooked uh, by, uh, you know, as far as, uh, I mean, I, I don't recall. I know he brought Shea Patterson in towards the end, who was a, a genuine five-star. Yeah, but I think yeah. he was I, – I, He cooked I, with two transfers at Ole Miss, and he cooked with another transfer at Liberty and, and Malik Willis. Yeah, so and it wasn't and and the market for Malik wasn't huge, which is part right. of the reason why he ended up at Liberty and didn't stay at the Power Five level after he left Auburn. So I think you know I understand why Hugh Freeze would say, you know, the the plan is to turn this into a destination for the best possible high school players, uh, the best possible high school receivers. I mean, other positions matter tremendously too, but. You know, turn this into a destination for high school receivers in a way that it's never been before or certainly wasn't under the last few coaches at Auburn when you look at the guys that are rated at the very top. And it's crazy to think, right? I mean, if a coach – I mean, if he just signed Thompson and Coleman, like for Auburn, right? Like that's a monstrous haul at wide receiver if you land Perry Thompson and and, and Cam Coleman. But it looks like it could be – those two, and I mean, people are talking about Ryan Williams. We'll see, but I mean, it, it is a it. You know, one one of the reasons Hugh Freeze is at Auburn is because people thought he could assemble a class of freshman wide receivers like the one Auburn might be able to bring in, even if Ryan Williams isn't part of the group. Uh, and that and that's a credit to the work that, uh, uh, that that him and his staff have been able to do over the last year. Yeah, I mean. Completely different sports, completely different scenarios. But I also think of like, and obviously Bruce got Aiden Holloway this year. But like, you know how how Bruce Pearl had the undersized point guard that people wanted to go away from, go away from. You know, we might be able to do, make some work with with those guys like that. But again, also look at what Freeze did at Ole Miss, and other, you know, especially Ole Miss, getting that, getting those elite receivers in place. That's that's a big step in that process. You got to turn them loose. It could be could be a writing project for you, Justin. But I I don't recall the market for the transfer quarterbacks that Hugh Freeze brought in at Ole Miss. Like may, maybe he doesn't think that he needs the you know the, the guy that everyone agrees is the top quarterback on sure. the board. May, maybe he thinks he can find the right guy for his system. Maybe he thinks he has the right guy for his system right now in Peyton Thorne if the right moves are made uh, with with the roster around said, him. It's what he said. It's what it sounded like. And, like, we'll see if that holds up. 
we'll, we will definitely see if that holds up, but you can see where the strategy makes sense on paper for sure. All right. I think that's good. We will be back later this week. We will talk signing day. We will talk we'll talk a little basketball probably. We may preview the Alabama State game. Uh, that's a Friday night game uh, this week. Bama State, by the way, playing. Uh, it's a nice little, uh, nice little trifecta going on here. Auburn plays USC and Alabama State back-to-back. USC plays Auburn and Alabama State back-to-back. Alabama State plays USC and Auburn back-to-back. So a little little three-way uh, competition here. Uh, but, uh, you know, and I think it's really cool. Pac-12 and the SWAC doing those home-and-home agreements has been really cool. So Alabama State getting a big home game uh, and it's on inter- Tuesday night. It's interesting that Auburn's next game away from Neville Arena will be the conference opener at Bud Walton because I think Arkansas is a lot like that USC team that Auburn just played today where the what the the sum uh, should be like the, the the it's not adding up right like the parts should be you know yeah, equating seen, to a bigger a, a, a better right. outcome than what you've seen so far and we've seen Arkansas do this and then figure it out at the right yeah. time but yeah Arkansas just real quick really interesting team lose to UNC Greensboro lost to Memphis Memphis has got a great resume this year lost to North Carolina North Carolina was really good lost to Oklahoma Oklahoma was really good um, but beat Duke at home which was a big win and then uh, but they had to escape against Stanford in double overtime and then Saturday they only beat Lipscomb by three um, so it's just it's it's one of those teams where that disconnects just fascinating to think about. And that game was Arkansas was up twenty with about ten minutes left, and, and Lipscomb like almost almost forced overtime in a game that that was a weird thing where they they played that game in Little Rock and uh, the lights weren't working, so they delayed the start for like forty five minutes or an hour because there were there was some electrical problem in the arena and then they finally played it and you got the sense that like the lights were dimmer than they should have been I don't know what was going on there but then uh, yeah Arkansas was up comfortably in the second half and Lipscomb stormed back and very nearly uh, forced overtime which would have been uh, yeah I mean it, it's it's uh, you know I think people thought Arkansas might have an easier time with this non-conference schedule that than they've had and, and uh, yeah a couple of surprising losses and we'll see what they look like when when Auburn comes to town all right, we will be back, uh, like I said, later this week. Newsletters and all that good stuff. Roster Tracker will be busy this week as well. AuburnObserver.com. Subscribe if you haven't already. $5 a month or $50 a year. Also, good week to get uh, get those uh, gift subscriptions rolling. You can uh, remember, send me an email if you're already subscribed and you want some free time on your account for giving those gifts. Justin, uh, it's because Painter's not here to ask like a question for the nonsense segment yes. at the end. Uh, do you have a favorite, like of the of say, holiday music from the last sixty or seventy years, right? Like stuff that's become standards mm-hmm. over the. I just saw that that the Brenda Lee song, uh, "Rocking Around the Christmas Tree," is the number one song in America or something because so many people have streamed it. Wow, like it's it's it's, the, it's the it's the record for. Like the longest time between when a song was released and when it and when it actually <laughs> hit number cool, one. Actually, yeah. I, I think Burl Ives' "Holly Jolly Christmas" is in the top ten sure. right now because I, I think a lot of this is. I mean, I, I I think part of it is you have more radio stations that go to twenty four seven Christmas music. Yep. And I think that airplay is measured 
by Billboard and the other places that would mm -hmm. decide like the top 40. And then you also have people using streaming services. And, right. Brent, you know, if you I guess if you stream any Christmas song, the next one is either Mariah Carey or Brenda Lee. Right. Is the, is the next song that, yeah. that, that comes along. But yeah, do, do you have like a, do, do you have a favorite of the of the songs that are sort of uh, holiday standards over the last uh, over, over the last few decades? So, I mean, I think your definition of standards is going to vary. Um, I will say this. Those of you who read the mailbag a couple of weeks ago, I have a. I have a Christmas playlist on Spotify that I go to that has a lot of more like modern, different takes on on Christmas songs that I, that I really really enjoy. But I, the classics or the what I would consider classics, um, I, I'm telling you, Dan, for a for a song without for songs without music and most of them uh, are without music without lyrics. Of course, they have music. Um, the the Charlie Brown Christmas soundtrack. I mean, just the the classic you know, piano and, and all that. It's just, that's always like an awesome Christmas one for me. This, what I'm about to say next is not the classic level of like what you were talking about earlier, but I hope you'll let me do this. The, the absolute just banger every time I hear it. And I think they released it. Let me make sure I get the right. Yeah. They released this in 1996, so your 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 results may vary on this one. The Christmas Eve Sarajevo 1224 from Trans Siberian Orchestra. That yeah. is like in my head as like the peak Christmas song to me. Of like you're gonna hear it a billion times and it's gonna slap every single time. That's the one that I always get to. 